0: We're not judging.
1: Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep.
0: And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home, in your warm, comfortable bed, or perhaps on your sofa snuggled up in a blankie, than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast.
1: Now, you'll miss out on some things we think are pretty cool.
0: Intergenerational
1: community, coffee and cookies, children asking awkward questions at children's time, but we'll give you what we can.
0: I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors here in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts, or perfect preachers. We are your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from
1: home or working or maybe coaching your kids' soccer team, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church.
0: Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon that Susan and I gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, whether you're out running errands or at home cuddled up on the couch, we ask that you would receive this with an open heart and an open mind.
1: Quick note. We really care about what we're talking about. We don't really care if you agree with us 100% or not. In fact, we, we really want you to figure out what you think, what your experience has led you to, and where God is leading you. Gotta use the brain God Gotta use the brain, yeah. So figure out what you think. Send us an email about it if you want to disagree. But we hope that whatever you think or are thinking about that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world that we know as God as you consider this.
0: So Susan. So Chris. We continue our Trek, trek hike, our hike, our today hike. through the Sermon on the Mount. Great. Uh We are in Chapter 7. Mm-hmm. We've been in Chapter 7 for several weeks. Mm-hmm. We'll be in Chapter 7 for a couple more.
1: You're doing it all the way to Easter, right? That's
0: cool. I don't understand why people skip the good part, so we're talking about the good part. It's all the good part, but... It's all the good part, yeah. Chapter 7. This week, just two verses, 13 and 14 okay. of Chapter 7, uh, which is about paths and gates and roads, and so you're going to read it for us in a regular... A regular translation. A regular
1: translation. This is the Common English Bible. And it says, Go in through the narrow gate. The gate that leads to destruction is broad and the road wide. So many people enter through it. But the gate that leads to life is narrow and the road difficult. So few people find it.
0: And on the heels of this encouraging scripture, (laughs) which reminds us that not everybody gets it right all the time. In fact, most people don't. This is uh, this is where we come, and it sounds intimidating, mm-hmm. but for me, it's it's actually a little bit comforting right. in some ways. So we're going to talk about that. But first, I have funny stories for you. Okay,
1: funny stories.
0: Funny stories. No terrible jokes, okay. but funny stories. A friend of mine texted last week,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it cracked me up. And I told him I was going to preach on it. And so I know that he's one of our listeners, Brandon. If you are listening to this at two times speed, I'm sure I sound hilarious. Shout but out to Brandon. This story is for you. We're in the middle of that Methodist season of appointments Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our churches are built on an itinerant system, which means the church is built on the skills of the lay people. Yep. And pastors come through to offer guidance, to do administration, to preach and teach and offer the gifts that we have. But the church is not built around who we are. As wonderful as Susan and I are. Yep. Churches are designed not to be a cult of personality. In fact... At my church, there's a big photo frame full of the photos of all the pastors mm-hmm. who've come through mm-hmm. and uh, most of them only for a couple of years, right. two years, three years, four years. There's only two exceptions for that in our 150 year history. At first you look at it as like, here are the pastors of the church. And then you begin to look at it as here are the pastors the church has survived. <laughs> here are the pastors the church has yeah. outlived Yeah, because it's not about the pastor, which means this is the time of year when we get phone calls from our Regional supervisors, Mm -hmm. district superintendents. When their name pops up on the phone, you go, ooh. Because usually the phone call goes something like this. Hi, how are you doing? The bishop intends to appoint you to, and then someplace you've never heard of.
1: (laughs) Or or, uh, another DS is going to be calling you.
0: Another DS is going to be calling you with a church that you've never heard of. (laughs) And we move. We move Mm -hmm. every summer. Uh, Every Methodist pastor you know has a one-year contract every year. Yep. And every year we find out where we'll be serving for the next year. And we're yeah. used to this. We we enter this with open eyes, right? We yes. know that this is our system. It can take some of our churches by surprise if they're new Methodists. In the, um, yeah. But experienced Methodists are used to surviving pastors. Right. Many of our friends uh-huh. are getting these phone calls. And, and many of our particularly younger clergy, this is the first time they've been called to move. Right. And they get nervous about it. Obviously Mm -hmm. anxious because they want to care for their congregation in the process. They're wondering what it's going to be like for them because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of uncertainty around that for them. And some of them have been calling and texting and asking for advice, which I love to give.
1: (laughs) You, Chris? (laughs) advice.
0: Let me tell you how you should do this. Uh, But Brandon called. uh, He texted this group and he said, you know, he's been going around doing these visits to sort of say goodbye to the people in the congregation, which I think is a good idea. Yeah, Highly recommend. And he was visiting uh, this one couple, and they're a pretty conservative Mm -hmm. couple, older couple, stronghold of the church. Brandon, not super conservative guy, Mm
2: -hmm. serving
0: in a very small town in a very conservative area. And so he sort of has prided himself on being able to preach the gospel and particularly the social justice gospel in this small community and connect with people even who might not agree with him politically. Mm -hmm. So he's going to see these people and the wife of the couple – Tells him, your voice will be missed, Mm. which is a nice thing to hear because he's thinking, oh, man, I've done a really good job preaching the gospel to these people who (laughs) who are so conservative and I'm not conservative and,
1: you know, good on
0: me. And then she says, because my husband has hearing issues and uh, he
1: can actually hear you, he
0: can hear your voice. It's so lovely and low and resonant. (laughs) Literally does not care about the content of his sermons. Mm-hmm. Just cares about the quality and the tone of his voice, <laughs> voice. which is something that he really can't control Girl. that much. It was a humbling moment, I'm going to assume.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Brandon, we all have those. Yes. And I'm going to share some more of them with you. I just thought that that was pretty funny. You get so excited about, man, I'm really, I'm, re- I'm bringing the gospel and it is about nothing that you have any control over at all. No. This happens a lot, I think, in ministry to pastors, but also to lay people. We... We all have those moments where we think we're getting it right. Yeah. And we're so excited about it. And we realize, oh, that was not actually about me. <laughs> that was not actually about anything I've done. No. That was basically a total accident. Mm-hmm. I was asked when I was a very young clergy person to preach at annual conference at the service for retirees. Yes. Which is terrible because yeah, like it's the worst because these people have been preaching for 40 years or more. Yeah. And their families have listened to their sermons for 40 years or more. So let's ask somebody who's preached five sermons in her life <laughs> to stand up <laughs> and preach to these people. What could I possibly have to say to them that they hadn't heard in 40 years of ministry or hadn't thought or hadn't assumed right. or whatever? Uh, I was terrified. Much worse. They only gave me three minutes.
1: Right. Which and is they hardly me... enough time to, do, to develop anything.
0: No. And they had me follow two of the best preachers in speech. the conference, Victoria Schlintz and Stacey Current. Yeah. Both maybe. powerhouses. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, well, we're just setting the bar real low for all people coming in. That's what we're doing. (laughs) Just setting the bar real low. I was terrified. I had no idea what I was going to do. So uh, what my kind of go-to thing is when I'm totally at loose ends is I call the wise people around me who have more experience in whatever I'm dealing with than I do. So I think I called you, Susan.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I remember getting a call. No, I
0: called Mark Cordes and Mike Carroll and Mm -hmm. Dave Schlager and Jane Schlager Mm -hmm. and all the people I could think of and said, what would you do? I talked to. I was in a couple of clergy associations at the time in Fresno, I was in the Methodist one and the UCC, UCC one, I talked yeah. to both of them and people generally mm-hmm. did not give advice <laughs> instead they told me about these big moments in their ministries when they had totally screwed the pooch <laughs> which is not comforting because the assumption in that is you're about you're to screw the pooch, the pooch. kid
1: like- <laughs> there's nothing you can do
0: this you, is just uh, going to be a,
1: a pooch, screw an gr-
0: adventure. Grit your teeth and bear it. Like mm-hmm. that's really what it was. But in a, in a way, it was actually the wisest thing they could have done, right? Because then I used all their stories in my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> One of the women was talking about when she was performing a wedding. It was an outdoor wedding,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there was no wedding coordinator. Oh yeah. And so she was going to have to be both the pastor and the wedding coordinator, which is tough to tough do. tough to
1: do because you're in the ra- You're not in the right place.
0: So she'd made people rehearse for like two hours the day before she had worked out all these signals with them. And so like, she had all these like kind of subtle signals that she could send to the wedding party. Yeah. Very much like baseball where she could sort of do this very subtle thing. And then the next couple of attendants would know that it was their turn to come forward and walk Mm. down this aisle made of chairs on this grassy area in somebody's backyard. Yeah. Together, climb the wooden steps up to the deck, which was on the second floor. And so they would walk up these steps and then they were sort of standing on the steps and the bride and the groom would come through and stand at the top mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. with the pastor. She, They'd wanted to have communion, so she had the choreography for that was all worked out. She had the table behind her with the bread and the cup and just where she needed it. She was also doing the sound system, so that was on one side and she'd worked out all the cues on the sound system for that. She thought she'd planned for everything until the moment came when she turned to the man next to the groom and said, "'May I have the rings?' And he dropped them. And he dropped them through the slats on the deck from the second story into the unkempt growth underneath the steps. These incredibly expensive rings. Well, the whole wedding came to a halt while the whole wedding party scrambled down the steps to crawl around on their hands and knees to look for the rings so that the wedding could be completed. I love that story because in the midst of looking for these rings, which are actually kind of incidental to the ceremony, I mean, meaningful, but incidental to the ceremony... They put everything else on hold Mm -hmm. to do this one little thing. I thought that was hilarious. So she tells me this story and I'm laughing about this story. And then the next weekend I was at a retreat weekend where I was the clergy person for a bunch of teenagers. Mm -hmm. And at this retreat, they had this big choreographed communion service planned. There were two teenagers who would act out the story of the life of Jesus. And it would culminate in communion. And it's a complicated (laughs) thing. They have to memorize all this stuff, how to move, how to do this, how to do that. And so they'd been practicing and practice. They'd run through it 20 times. Right. They thought that they thought of everything. Nope. And it gets to that moment in the service where they're supposed to lift the elements. And they realize.
1: There are no elements.
0: They have forgotten the elements. And so they look at me and they do that telepathic thing where they're like, the eyes get real big and they're just looking straight at you. And it means like they're screaming in the middle of their head, help.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And so I stood up
0: and very authoritatively moved to the front of the altar saw what was going on and said, we're going to kneel and pray. And so both of these teenagers in the front knelt to pray. And then I gestured to the congregation and everybody in good Methodist fashion bowed their heads and started to pray. And then I sprinted to the kitchen, grabbed the bread and the juice, brought it back, set up the elements, said amen. And everybody looked up at the same time and was (laughs) none the wiser. In the midst of practicing all this elaborate choreography, we'd forgotten the basics, right? Right. This is the human story. Right. We do this all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We practice and practice and practice. We think we can think of everything. And, and something's still going to go wrong.
1: And it and it's oftentimes something that's like so basic to, to really what we want to have happen.
0: Yeah, we're still going to screw up. You, yeah. Do you have any stories like that, Susan? Because we're all Not, telling stories on ourselves.
1: Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of one. It comes off the top of my head. I, I, you know. So I'm pretty. I'm pretty graceful with myself. I'm like, well, that well, that, that didn't went, work. Well, that was <laughs> weird. Well, you know, actually, just actually um, for Lent, I decided that we would instead of using intinction at church, oh, use no. the little cups.
0: Yeah, the communion shot glasses.
1: The little communion shot glasses. So I set up the trays and I warned my communion steward and and I thought I had it all covered except that evidently nobody in my congregation remembers how to do it that way oh no it's been so long since yeah. it's been done that way and it was a little were they bit all of, trying
0: to dip it into the shot glass? no
1: but they were all like <laughs> bread cup the the young kids like literally there are kids in my congregation who've never even seen that set of they've somewhere. never seen it
0: before yeah right. that was that was that was hardcore and, 90s right there even um, 80s, really.
1: really. Well, and I'm not sure, you know, because we have a set of both, right? Yeah. And so, but it was it was a little bit of holy chaos and everybody got communion, but it was, it was a little bit of a lesson in like what my assumptions are. Yeah. Right? Like, because it's been years since I've taken it that way, but I have a memory of how you do it.
0: Was there a reason why you wanted to do it that way? Just to shake things
1: up. Okay, because we have this beautiful communion rail we never use. It was really funny because there were things that I hadn't really thought about, like what do you do with the little cups and like yeah, what happens
0: afterwards? The ushers come through after service and pick them up, or if they're. But, My ushers—they give me twenty-five cents, and six-year-old Kristen Marshall runs through the pews <laughs> and picks up all the little. Well, cups. and
1: we didn't—we sa- didn't do it in the pews. We did it at the rail. Oh, okay. The rail is actually designed that there's like a little trough to put mm-hmm. them in. Yeah, like there's not little holes, but there's like a little trough, and it was like just even there. And one of the girls <laughs> was like, trying to be that. so helpful and
0: clean them all. It was just that's not the thing that you announced, though. Like, right. leave your used communion, communion cups, cups in the, the trough. trough,
1: and it was good. And I'm still gonna have them. Um, do communion that way again. Do it again.
0: Just just, just to remind just, everybody.
1: To, just shake it up a little bit. Because, you know, it's part of that whole, like, how we do communion is not the most important.
0: The thing. logistics are not as important as as, as that. The
1: experience. The experience. So, yeah. And so, and probably, um, I'm thinking that this time I'll be like, okay, so we had a little hole of chaos the last time we tried this. Well, so I'm ex- going to explain you, this one more time.
0: Your people have a good sense of humor about. Uh, but a couple of my, my kids were just
1: like, what is this? And so... Um, we'll continue the conversation and
0: we'll have fun with it. But, yeah. um, but but good intentions don't always get you there. They
1: don't always get you there, yeah, right? You, like, there's
0: always you, something you, think, you haven't thought of. You can't know everything. You make mistakes. No. What is comforting for me is that this does not make us bad people.
1: No, when we it does miss not. the mark,
0: it does not make us bad people. It makes us human.
1: human. It makes us
0: people who try. And if we spend our whole day dwelling on the fact that we made one mistake, we've missed the opportunity to make it better.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. We've missed the
0: opportunity to try again yeah. and to get it right. The sermon is really about this narrow path and this wide road. Mm-hmm. And the narrow path for me is really about you're going to get confused. You might take a wrong step. It's not going to be easy. But that's still the way we want to go if we want to experience the love of God. This constant self-evaluation, mm-hmm. even being willing to be self-critical, not for the sake of feeling guilty. Right. But for but the, the sake, sake of, of trying again,
1: of, of Sensing where you are,
0: yeah, and, and doing it a little, doing it a little better, not missing the point.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I think sometimes we do the self-assessment just because, just because, mm-hmm. versus like saying, okay, so this happened. How am I going to approach that the next time? Right, because there's going to be a next. There's time.
0: always going to be a next time. So this is actually a really common image used by Jewish preachers. Mm -hmm. The two roads, one that's wide and easy and one that's narrow and hard. This is a very common image that they used to use. And usually it was about loyalties and practices. Mm -hmm. When Jesus was teaching it again, he's teaching in the middle of Roman occupation. Right. And so you always have to think about the context of the sermon, right? Right. And roads and wide gates had a totally different connotation in Rome. Mm -hmm. Because they were methods of control and propaganda.
1: Okay. So, like if you're
0: walking into the east gate of the city of Antioch.
1: Okay. Which is. I'm picturing it.
0: You would look up, and the gate that would have this archway that would surround you Mm
1: -hmm.
0: was carved images of the she wolf nursing Romulus and Remus.
1: Uh, Ah, yeah. Who are
0: not Harry Potter characters. Nope. But are Roman gods. Mm -hmm. And not only are they Roman gods, they're sort of the founders of the city of Rome. Right. They're the mascots. Right. And so when you're walking into the city of Antioch, which is under Roman occupation, the images that you're seeing, and there weren't billboards everywhere. There weren't there weren't all the images that we right. see all the time. Right. This is a rare thing to see an image. The image that you see is you are owned by Rome. Right. right. You don't have any independence. We've a lot of the you. images in the carvings were Romans stepping on people. the people who lived in the city. So mm-hmm. stepping on Jews. They, they right. would often depict Jews as dogs. Right. As as beasts,
1: so the, the images of of occupation. Yeah, right. The things we're that, better that, than that, you. We own you. You, know.
0: you suck. Right. This is all Roman propaganda to prove Rome's sovereignty. Roman roads were like the main way that they moved things around. Militaries, some people, for example, mm-hmm. taxes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, um, they were they were trade. signs of military might. They mm-hmm. were signs of economic exploitation. They were safe. Right. That was one good thing.
1: Mm-hmm
0: but they were only safe really if you were a roman citizen.
1: Well, and they were the sign that rome occupied you. You didn't have a roman road if rome didn't care about you or didn't think that you had, you know, they needed to something put their phone they could on exploit.
0: You. Yeah, it was it was a sign of enforced submission. Yeah. Um in fact, when the roads were being built, one roman scholar said, "Yes, this is a sign of the spread of civilization." And another one said, "This is a sign of the loss of life and limb in its military right. enforcement." Right? right. And so it was it was both of those things. The road was wide, it was easy, it was good to get things from there to mm-hmm. here, but it was also a sign of you are owned by something that does not care for you. You are an ant. So Jesus is sort of talking about this narrow path and this wide road, and he's saying that the way of God is not the way of the Roman Empire. Yeah. It's not violent, it's not exploitative, and it's probably a little bit trickier to navigate, mm-hmm. because it requires this constant self-evaluation. There's no entitlement in it. Mm-hmm. You are not entitled to the rights and privileges of a Roman citizen. You are entitled to be in service to other people. You are entitled to be loved, but also to give your life for one another. It's hard. Yeah. It's difficult. And it's hard to navigate. Now, we are in Reno at yes. the foot of the eastern side of the Sierra Nevada. Yep. Which means we have all the best hiking trails in the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Right here.
0: Right here. And a lot of our folks are hikers. Yep. In fact, I think I asked people in my church how many people have been hiking in the mountains just in the last year. Mm-hmm. And 90% of yeah, them raised easily, their hands.
1: Easily.
0: And so I said, well, you know, how do you navigate your way on the Sierra Nevada?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said, well, there's paths, you know, usually there's some paths that other people have followed. Uh, some people shout out compasses or topographical maps, maps if they're super yep. hardcore. Um, I said, well, I was hiking Laclaven. And, you know, you get to these plateaus, big, giant, curving granite faces of the mountain where there is no path Mm -hmm. you come out of the forest with the trees and the lovely stampeded path that you can follow and it's just rock and you can't see to the other side where the trail continues there's no
1: dust sitting there there's no vegetation that's been disturbed it's just 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 granite
0: so like so what do you do i heard a lot of stories after church of people surviving Trying to not slide off of those giant granite faces, <laughs> by the way. Don't go up there when it's raining. But good plan.
1: Good plan. We don't usually do that.
0: They said, well, there's those stacks of stones. They're called cairns.
1: hmm
0: And so hikers who have gone before will stack up, I don't know, eight or ten stones mm-hmm. on the trail. And it's the way that you find your way over the hard territory. Right. This is also an ancient Jewish thing. hmm mm-hmm. In Judaism, they're called Ebenezer's. Mm-hmm. And when people were,
1: raise your Ebenezer.
0: Yeah, here I raise mine Ebenezer, Ebenezer from come Thou fount of every blessing. That people would be wandering in the wilderness for forty years, and to show the way, to show where God had been, where mm-hmm. God had shown up, where they had experienced God's blessing, they would stack up much larger yeah. stacks of stones, and they called them Ebenezers. Ebenezers were signs of God's blessing, which maybe helps you understand the name Ebenezer Scrooge and all the irony it was intended. Thank you, Charles mm-hmm. Dickens. Yep ebenezer was a sign of God's work in the world. Right. And it helped you know that you were on the right path. So one of the things that helps me is to know that when I call all of these pastors who've been doing the work longer than I have and say, "What on earth do I do?" They don't share with me all of the best tips and advice for doing everything perfectly. Nope. They share with me those moments when they have screwed up mm-hmm. and God has showed up anyway. Yeah. They share with me those moments when they get it wrong. And the people of God survive. Yeah. I think that's important. So the the narrow path sounds difficult. Self-evaluation is not always super fun. No. But Jesus is saying, but that's what we're called to do. Not to get it perfect, not to make it easy. Right. But to do it well. Yeah. And and even when we make mistakes, to keep trying. We can name all the easy roads for us, right? Yeah. I mean, consumerism, Mm -hmm. addiction to being busy. Mm -hmm. objectification Mm
2: -hmm. ignoring
0: the things that make us uncomfortable Yep, we could name all the things the question is not what are the easy things but what are the hard things that we're still being called to yeah and when we make mistakes how are we going to notice and then move past them right i think that's important it's harder to reevaluate to be self-critical to repent which means Mm -hmm. to rethink yeah And it takes humility, but humility for our ancestors was a sign of the spirit tempered and strong and resilient. Yeah. And so I think that that's something we got to do. Yeah. And just because we've spent a very long time making the same mistake doesn't mean we need to keep making it.
1: Yeah, that's a hard one, right? Like time sink investment
0: issues. Just because you've invested a lot of time in one mistake doesn't mean you have to keep making it. Nope. Nope. So then I closed the sermon with my very favorite princess story.
1: It is one of my favorite princess stories.
0: Now, I know that Beauty and the Beast is in the box office right now.
1: We have seen it.
0: Some of us have seen it more than once.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Not naming names.
0: But it's not worth it in 3D, just in case you were wondering.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was not wondering.
0: (laughs) My very favorite princess story is The Paper Bag Princess. And I have the tiny book, the one that's like two inches square. Yes,
1: it's adorable, everyone.
0: That I got from my Sunday school teacher when I was... six or seven years old her name was jan beekman jan you're the best and she gave me this book and i think this is an important book to give to all people yes because it gives us a story that we need Mm -hmm. but the story goes like this there's a there's a princess who has a beautiful castle and Mm -hmm. it's filled with beautiful gowns and there's a beautiful prince not her brother
1: oh yeah there's a
0: suitor there's a suitor she knows that her job in life as a princess is to be pretty, mm-hmm. to live in her pretty castle, to mm-hmm. wear her pretty gowns, and to marry her pretty prince. That is her entire, entire job, job description. That is the purpose of her life. Yeah. But one day a dragon comes, destroys the castle, destroys all the gowns, and carries Ronald away. Yeah. Ronald the prince. the pretty one. Yeah. And she pops out of the rubble and sees Ronald being carried away and decides that, you know, she doesn't have her castle anymore, she doesn't have her gowns anymore, but she by gosh is going to marry her prince. So she puts on the only thing she can find, which is a paper bag. We're gonna suspend disbelief, people, about yes. why a paper bag would have survived a firestorm when gowns wouldn't have, and well, move maybe on it blew past over. That. Sure. So she puts on the paper bag and she goes in search of Ronald. Now she goes back to the mountains and she climbs through the mountains until she finds the dragon's cave. And when she finds the dragon's cave, she appeals to the dragon's sense of ego. <laughs> And she says, Mr. Dragon, I heard that you are the fiercest and meanest dragon in the whole world. I bet you could burn up whole forests. And the dragon says, watch me, and goes out and burns up all the forests. And she says, you know, Mr. Dragon, I I heard that you are the fastest dragon in the world, and you can fly around the whole world in 10 seconds. And he says, watch me. And he does. And she goes, I bet you could even do it again. And he goes, yeah, watch me. And he does. I bet you could burn up the lake over there with your fire. And he tries to evaporate the lake, and he comes back. And every time he comes back. He's tired and more tired and more tired until eventually he just falls asleep. She marches right past the dragon into the cave, finds Ronald, drags him out of the cave, at which point he can see her clearly. And he says, ew, you are covered in ash and soot. I don't want to be with you. And this is the moment she gets to decide if she will reevaluate her purpose. Mm hmm. And I want to read to you. I didn't read this to my congregation, I just kind of ad libbed. But Ronald says, Boy, you are a mess. You smell like ashes. Your hair is all tangled, and you are wearing a dirty old paper bag. Come back when you're dressed like a real princess. And she says, Your clothes are really pretty, and your hair is all neat. You look like a real prince, but you are a bum. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't get married after all. Sometimes, even if we've spent our whole lives thinking that something is for us, we have to take that moment to say,
2: Mm. maybe not this is not it
0: let me reevaluate because i think somehow i've wandered into what is easy and expected rather than what god is actually calling me to uh the paper bag princess can change our paths can change Mm -hmm. the question is can we and that was the sermon
1: nice nice Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories, maybe you have some great stories that would fit into this thing. Please, we love Please, stories. We love stories. Shoot us an email at Sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find us on Sundaymorningsleepin.com, on iTunes and Google all the places. Mm-hmm. We also have a Facebook. You know, communicate with us, we'd love to hear from you. Chris's sermon was based on Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And the theme music you're hearing is Taken Higher by
0: Jasper. So I am going to read it to you in another version, okay. which is, this is from The Message, which is a paraphrase and not a translation of the scripture uh, by Eugene H. Peterson. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. <laughs> Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention you will mess up guarantee it even with all the best intentions of the world even if you practice a million times at some point you are going to screw up please don't sit and dwell on that please have patience with yourself please have patience with the world around you get up and try again because this loving people thing this isn't easy but we are called to go out and love every person we meet even the ones we might not think deserve it because god thinks they do Amen. Amen.